In this week's episode of the One More Rep podcast, Mo and Brody go back to Endeavor Defense and Fitness to have a talk with Aaron Janetti about his new book, How to Survive an Active Killer. Welcome to the One More Rep podcast, where we take you beyond the barbell. And now for your host, Mo Dingo. Welcome to the One More Rep Podcast, where we take you beyond the barbell. I'm your host, Mo Dingo, and with me is Brody. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. See, folks, he's getting better with his intros. I was scared what to say. <laughs> he's about to turn my mic off. <laughs> we have made the trip down to Endeavor Defense and Fitness once again to talk to Aaron Janetti. And today we are here to talk about a book he's recently published. But first off, Aaron, how you doing, bro? I am fantastic. Really appreciate you coming on the show again. That's uh, what I need. What, fantastic? <laughs> like what, how he said it. I'm going <laughs> to practice it. That's what I need. Thanks, man. I'm going to go home and train. Hey, we can set some phone calls. Up. We'll, work on your, we'll work on your presence. That's, that, hey, next intro, that's me. Word. <laughs> I am amazing. <laughs> want to say thanks again for coming and chatting with us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anything changed since the last visit? No, no. Uh, pretty good. Uh, one additional craft beer. Uh, <laughs> things are going well. <laughs> All right. So you wrote a book mm-hmm. and is this your first book or? Yeah, this is my first book. Yeah. Officially. And what's it titled? Uh, how to survive an active killer, uh, an honest look at your role in the age of mass violence. Okay. So tell us a little bit about where, where, where is this coming from? Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I teach self-defense. I actually, uh, started this whole journey, uh, into the kind of strength conditioning, fitness, self-defense world. I was a, a self-defense student, eventually self-defense instructor. Um, and one of the courses that we teach revolves around active shooters, things like that. So I was first introduced to the concept slash the training model for the most part, uh, by a gentleman named Matt Kissel. And this was probably back in about 2009. Um, and he was a Sergeant, um, at, uh, Gehanna and he was a SWAT team, Real knowledgeable guy, uh, did Krav Maga, did firearms training, everything like that. So he's one of the very proactive law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he taught with course, and at the time, it was more revolved around school shootings. That was the more, I guess, for lack of a bigger term, the trigger word mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, you know, because a lot of things were happening in schools after Columbine was the big one. Um, so we did that, uh, and it was it was a great course. I learned a lot. Uh, he broke down workplace violence, school violence, things like that. And, uh, so I got, I got really interested in the topic and the, you know, the more he hosted it, I would jump in and nine times out of 10, you jump in originally as an instructor, as the guy that ends up getting the living crap kicked out mm-hmm. of him, uh, by everybody else in the room, but started to learn more, started to research it a little more. Eventually I go off, uh, you know, start a gym, start teaching there, uh, start my own gym over here and we're still teaching the classes, but even though the information is available and we're out teaching it, you know, big surprise nobody's really beaten down the door for that type of training, right? It's the kind of ignorance is bliss mentality nine mm-hmm. times out of 10 with a lot of people. Is it because people don't think they need it or yes. in your experience? And that is correct along with some other things. So there's a couple of things you have the idea of, I don't think I need it cause it's not going to happen, which statistically speaking, it is very unlikely it's going to mm-hmm. happen to anybody, but statistics don't matter to the people that were at pulse nightclub. They don't matter to the people that are in Columbine. They don't matter to the people that were, you know, in, uh, in at Sandy in, Hook. Yeah. You know, Sandy Hook, you look at Paris, you look at all that type of stuff. And that should answer your, 
that question right there. Look how many he just random occurrences, and, and, that's, and, that's, and those that, are the big ones. Right, that, yeah, yeah, that's just a fraction. So yeah, I mean, if you, you look at like statistically speaking, you know, the numbers are increasing, and you know the reasons why. You know, we can dive into that a little later, but the, the fact of the matter is, it's out there. But still, statistically speaking, you know, you're more likely to get into a car accident than mass shooting. So people come up with the whole excuse like, "Oh, I don't need it," or you get the two other, which I believe are almost even worse. Uh, which is the, well, I own a gun, so I'm fine, which is the biggest bunch of bullshit, which we can dive into that. Uh, and the, there's nothing I could possibly do. So there's like the hopeless mentality, right? Mm. So they don't, they don't want to approach it. How the hell am I supposed to deal with it? The guy's got a gun. I'm dead automatically. Those, those are big deals. So people don't want to talk about it. You know, mm. they would rather go about business assuming it's never going to happen and then accepting that they're screwed if it does. If happen, it does, okay. Yeah, wow. Instead of taking an active form towards it. But I mean, think about it. Like you know, it come from a fitness standpoint. Like I can actually keep you from diabetes and being out of shape and having bad joints if you would actually do this. And it's mm-hmm. like, eh, but that involves me doing something and being <laughs> it involves some work. Yeah. So you, you run into that. So people aren't like it's it's terrible people just aren't looking for it so we would put these courses on and it's just there's nobody there so we would do one or two a year because that was what the demand was mm-hmm. uh so then this is some this was not something you could go knock on a door and people no, were like oh yeah, I, people I need this it. and it was the the field the corporate field and even the educational field was was predominantly dominated uh by a company called alice a-l-i-c-e um and you know, they, they do a good job of getting some pretty good information out there, but it's not really a lot of hands-on training. There's a little bit of it, but it's, there's, there's definitely some gaps in the training. But they're the first person that went, so it was started by a couple of law enforcement officers. They're the first person that went, okay, well, first and foremost, uh, if anybody's looking for, if anybody's looking for security, who are the first two people they look for? Military and law enforcement, mm-hmm. right? And there's nothing wrong with that, except for that the context of a military in the context of law enforcement is not always the context of civilians. There's, there's overlap in, in skills, but me knowing how to clear a house, you know, in, you know, across overseas, me knowing how to arrest somebody that is fighting back on a drug charge and me surviving somebody trying to murder me while I'm trying to protect my family. Those are three completely different contexts. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's not direct. So, but they realized that, you know, people listen to cops, right? So we're going to start this program. We're going to go into schools. We realize there's uh, yellow tape and, and things that we're going to have to go through. So what do we do? We formulate the plan so that we can get through the door. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong because it allowed them to actually talk to some people and start some really good conversations. So Alice, you know, I, I, I will talk a little bit down about some of their training sometimes, but they did a huge service because they made people realize like, shit, like civilians can't actually train for this stuff. Uh, the problem with it is to go through the red tape and things like that and to do things the way people want to do it is in an efficient response because the reality of it is there's a lot of really nasty shit that you have to accept when you go into this training and you need to know how to do and you can't do that if you know the school administrator ties my hands behind my back. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they did a really good job. They got out there. They started making a pretty big name for themselves. A couple of smaller programs started coming up through like sheriff's departments and things. Uh, the Run, Hide, Fight program was a really big program. Um, started down in Texas that eventually was picked up by the federal government. But again, it was generally focused on corporations and schools. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really training for like, you know, hi, I'm a mother of four and I want to know how to survive an active shooter. Okay. There wasn't a lot of that. So we did those courses for the community, generally for our members, but it was always Mm -hmm. open to the community anytime they wanted. Um, But we weren't doing a lot of them, you know, one a year, two a year maybe. And uh, so Paris happened, the the big attack in France. 
where you had the Bataclan theater with the hostage situation, and then you had the multiple situations of the the explosives and the the uh, shooting of the cafe and things mm-hmm. like that. So you had a legitimate multi-area, multi-scene structured terrorist attack on a city that was just a nightmare, mm-hmm. an absolute nightmare. And that kind of shot people in the ass, right? Because this is the kind of stuff that happens in the Middle East. It happens in third world countries. This doesn't happen in France. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen in England. It doesn't happen in the U.S. And it kind of perked people up a little bit. And they were like, holy shit. A little bit closer, a little bit closer to home, a little closer to home. Right. Oh, my God. A civilized country. You know, like whatever that mentality is. So you had that. Well, then a meeting that was November. Immediately after that, you have San Bernardino. Yep. Right here in the States. Uh, And completely different situation if you look at it, but still the same exact effect. It was definitely, uh, you know, terrorist oriented. If you want to look at at least the the background, the MO of it. But now it was in their backyard. But it was right in their backyard. And it was a if you really look at the situation, it was completely different, right? Like France was a big coordinated terrorist cell attack with multiple people attacking multiple places at one time. Right. San Bernardino was a husband and wife mm-hmm. and they went Rather in gun. shot. And to be completely honest, they were out of there in a couple of minutes. It mm-hmm. was a pretty small situation. It wasn't hostage, anything like that. It was but very it tactical. Was, yeah. <laughs> and I'll now, tell you about that situation that probably different too is they actually fought back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. So there's a couple of things with that. Now, the, the, the one thing I would say that is probably the most important, uh, at least from if you look at the generalized what people thought of as the, the big name active shooter situations or mass killings, uh, this was the first time that they had what you would consider, quote unquote, tactical gear. So they had, you know, bulletproof vests and mm-hmm. uh, weight bearing vests with loads of magazines, things like that. They had parked a vehicle in a specific place because they actually intended to leave when they were done. Mm-hmm. And that's not common. You look at the ones that most people think of. You look at workplace violence, things like that. Like they're in there, they're killing people, and they expect to get shot, killed, or taken down at some point. They walk in time. out to the lobby yeah. and surrender to the cops. Columbine was the same exact way. Um, you know, most of the situations they go into it, they have this idea of killing a bunch of people. They don't have an escape plan. Mm-hmm. They're so driven by passion and violence that they've either already assumed they're going to die or get taken out, or they just haven't really thought that far. Like right. I'm going to get in there, I'm going to fucking kill all these people because they're bad people, and they don't realize like, oh crap. You know, now we get into that, like, okay, well, what do we do now? We kill ourselves. It seemed like San Bernardino, you know, they, they wanted to. They wanted to, to do more. Yeah, they wanted, they were yeah, traveling. Yeah. So they were going to do more. another one. Right. So, uh, you know, so San Bernardino happens and it's a different mentality because now you have, you have the France attack and you have the San Bernardino attack back to back. They're both uh, essentially for the most part, the same MO. It's all tracked back to, you know, lone wolf type attacks and small cells that involve, you know, ISIS, things like that. And, and yeah, that's terrifying in its own right. But they were tactical and that wasn't normal, mm-hmm. right? It was usually a passion driven violence thing, but it was tactical. They had, they were in, they were out. The law enforcement response for San Bernardino was three minutes and 28 seconds, approximately from the first time the law enforcement knew they needed to be there. That's fucking fast. Three minutes, 28 seconds. SWAT team got there in about nine minutes mm-hmm. for the most part. And that's because they were actually a group of SWAT team members were practicing active they were training, response. Yeah. Wow, that's ironic. And all they had to do was trade out a little bit of gear and go. So they were in the same exact place at the same exact time. That never happens, right? So you have three and a half minute response from a couple of local law enforcement officers. You have nine minute response from SWAT. They were fucking way gone. Mm-hmm. That's before crazy, that ever right? happened. They were in and out. They shot about 110 rounds for the most part. And if you think about it, they had structured their uh, their uh, or they had reconfigured their guns to be automatic illegally, um, but but I mean, anybody with some machining yeah. tools and a YouTube 
account think about can, this. can figure anybody, it out. Anybody out there that shoots, how long does it take you to go through a 30 round magazine of a fully automatic rifle? Not very long. Yeah, like 10 seconds. So if you think about it, there was 110 rounds shot. 110 rounds. How long does it take me to go in, shoot 110 rounds, and fucking leave? Mm-hmm. Doesn't. They, they did quite a bit of damage, correct? They did a pretty yeah. decent amount of damage, yeah. So anyway, so right about now, we had originally planned on doing this event right after Paris. And, and what ended up happening was uh, the Paris attack happens, and that fucking night, because that was just brutal, just brutal. And that night, I just, I went and all of tomorrow's classes are active shooter, fucking top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're going to address this. This is free to the community, free to the members. So we sent it out to our members. They invited their friends. I put it in a couple of public forums in Hilliard. And all we wanted to do was just help local community. That was it. We didn't have any intentions behind it. So we came in, boof, do it. We had, I don't know, 40, 50 people that wow. day. So awesome, sweet. So, okay, cool. People are responding a little bit. Then uh, one of our guys, Ward, that worked for uh, for the record, and, and they do some work with the Blaze, he said, hey, I, I, I really think this is a good program. I think we should videotape it. So I was like, right, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to teach you. Come in. You want to take some video? Go for it. He, sh- he showed up with it. Yeah. He showed up with the whole freaking film crew. And oh, you thought he was just going to roll up yeah, with his iPhone I was just or like, something. Yeah, come in and video it. Yeah, that's fine. And he showed up with the whole crew and they, you know, they had three or four cameras in here and they're going around and they took, and I, and I'll give this to them cause I don't know how the hell anybody does this. <laughs> I like, I, I, I chop edit video sometimes and they took, it was the first time this has ever happened where I've had a news group or, or a, a journalist group or a documentary group, whatever the hell you want to call it. They took two hours of footage and made an appropriate three-minute video, hmm. one that actually told, told the, the story. story. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've 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 done media stuff before where they come in and they do it and they just butcher it. They mm-hmm. just they want to focus on these little pieces. They told the fucking story in three minutes, and it was incredible. Like I watched it and I went like I was nervous as shit when I actually like was oh <laughs> shit, I, you know they're gonna slaughter this. And they did good. They did really. I mean they told the story of what was meant to be, and they sent it out and it just the video exploded. It the blaze picked yeah. it up and it went crazy. Well, it exploded right by how much? Well, I think right now it's sitting at like 32 million or something That's, like that. <laughs> now it was, it went in the we first. We have 164 <laughs> likes on our Instagram. <laughs> well, what was funny was in the first like two days, it went 16 million. It was like, like that. And the shares and the interactions and things uh, were pretty crazy. So you they think did you can come film us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, the, I mean, we have to work on some of your intros, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> first time guests, he's a dick. But, <laughs> we've known each other too long. Yeah, but yeah. So the so the, so the video took off, which you've got to understand from our perspective. We've been teaching this freaking course in some form or fashion, associated with some group of people since two thousand nine, and mm-hmm. it took a fucking three minute video that the Blaze picked up to get people to go. Oh shit. So when you agreed we to that, train this. you were just thinking, Hey, they're going to come in, take yeah, a couple clips, it'd be a cool video. Yeah. And then maybe we can use it to promote put it on our it. Facebook or something. Yeah. But we've always just, you know, we were able to do it around locally. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's active shooter. We want to take care of the community. That wasn't your expectation or, no. or, or desired outcome. It no. just sort of happened organically. Yeah. It's all. amazing what 33 million views will do to a program. Yeah. Oh, fuck dude. Well, and again, at the time it was only 16 million and that was crazy. Yeah. And so, so that happens and it blows up. And so literally, I kid you not, like I was just telling them the video posted and I was like, Oh cool. The video's going up today. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just like, Oh, this will be fun. Like I'm excited to see what kind of a response <laughs> comes. And I am telling you within the hour, our phone was going crazy. The phone was going off the hook. Email was going off the hook. 
uh, we had we had our our facility uh, manager, one of the owners, AJ. Like he was stuck in his office. Like he, you know, normally I'm going to go out and I'm going to lift and I'm going to go do this and I got to take the trash out. Like he was stuck in the office answering the phone and I'm answering emails. Uh, and we have no like people are like, hey, I want this training. I want this training. I want this. Training. We we have no plan for that in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. This we wasn't knew, this wasn't a business. No, business it was a, directed. It was a move. program yeah. that we did, and but people wanted it. Mm-hmm. Well, something happened. He reacted. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it was it was. People need this information. They're not getting anywhere else, and I know that. I know the programs that are out there, and I know the issues that I have with those programs, and nobody's getting the program that we're getting. And I'm not saying that ours is the best. I'm just saying that, you know, if you feel like you can do something well, you want to get out and you want to do it. Yeah. So literally, like, we had no choice. So we were just kind of pushed into we are going to travel and start teaching this course. We'll figure out how the hell we get it done. We don't know what pricing is. We want to do this pretty much free and by free, we mean just add expenses. So we weren't really planning on making a bunch of money. We just wanted to support people. That wasn't the intent. No. no. And uh, so, yeah, so ended up um, in 2016. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many we taught total, but I mean, I taught uh, just about 80 mm-hmm. in one year. Uh, you know, we would do two in a day. We would do, you know, two or three or four back to back to back. We taught one every single month at our gym, completely free to the community. And that one would fill up. We'd get 50 to 60 people in it. Um, and we just, so we just started doing it. And what ended up happening was the program that we taught for free, uh, that got videotaped on the blaze is not the program I teach today because we had such, think about it. We had such a small, uh, like research group to work with. They were people that we had already worked with. Nine times out of 10, it was our members. They already knew how to fight. They already knew how to clinch. They already knew how to throw punches. They already knew what we looked at for gun stuff. It's a completely different world when they you're contracted to come out. Yeah, and the average age of the participant is 40 years old. Some of them anywhere from 40 to 50. They've never fought before. They've never gotten in an altercation before. Now you have to address the psychology of it, the physical nature of it, the reality of the situation. And so what ended up happening was as we were going out educating people, we fucking learned 10 times more than they did about how the course should be presented and about the issues and the downfalls of the way that things were. And I can tell you legitimately right now that 2016 was the greatest shift in mentality for us. And I, I feel very, very, very confident in the fact that it was a massive shift for the industry in general, because mm-hmm. as people started catching on to what we were doing, they started going like, oh, hell, that's a good idea. You know, there's little changes and and it would come in little like windfalls, you know, like, man, maybe that drill's not that good. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And maybe we should try this. Hey, let's try this experiment. Well, that sucked. Don't ever do that again. You know, and you you figured it out. And then, you know, we talked about this the last time we talked, but you start realizing like, okay, man, that person's trailing off. Why am I losing that person? Let me go Mm -hmm. talk to them. Hey, what am I saying? That's not clicking with you. What's, what's your experience? And then you start to learn and then you start to learn you know, how do I talk to a teacher about this? How do I talk to a law enforcement officer about this? How do I talk to a mother about this? You know, um, the psychology behind doing this stuff, the physical drills are simple. They're very simple. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're easy. They, they involve physical activity. I'm not saying they're easy, but they're simple, right? Like, mm-hmm. like a gun points at me, the tiny little circle on the end is where the bullet comes. Don't let that fucking go anywhere near you. Here's how you get that done. That's a pretty simple concept. It's pretty simple to do. It's hard physically, but it's a simple concept. But the psychology of allowing yourself to grab onto a weapon is huge. And like we were talking earlier, probably some of the challenges for like a school teacher is when mm-hmm. one of her students who she's been yeah. trained and conditioned to nurture is pointing that weapon at 
him or her. Yeah. And now I have to do something that could potentially wind up with that individual losing their life. I'll take that one step further and I'll tell you that in numerous instances, the person kills their own parent before they go then do their act. Look at Sandy Hook. He killed Mm -hmm. his mother before he went to the school. Now I challenge you, can you look at your son and kill your fucking son because he's about to kill you? Right. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Right. And nobody's especially a mother, right? Yeah. And in here's the kicker, right? And again, this is where uh, you know I'm not going to talk down Alice from an overall perspective. I just you know I'm, I'm f- we're filling gaps where I think are, are that need filled. Is that a lot of what is trained is trained as a group mentality, and so it's I go out and I'm going to teach you as a group how to take this person down. Well, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Individual psychology is going to pull everybody in a different direction when this stuff comes up. So if there's ten people in a room and a guy busts in and starts shooting them. We're going to assume two or three of them get shot. Them or they're already fucking out. Well, like the Paris train incident. Yeah. We're down to seven. And in that seven, what are the backgrounds, experiences, psychological mm-hmm. issues that that entire group does? Who is going to step up? Why are they going to step up? What's the background of why they're going to step up? So instead of looking at it as you have 10 people in a room, how do 10 people take down a bad guy? It's you are in a room. How do you address the situation? to survive the situation, take care of the things that you care about. And then if the others are getting involved, what does that look like? That can be good and that can be bad. Mm -hmm. I can have individuals that are drawing me away and negatively affecting my plan. I can have individuals that are helping me and positively affecting my plan. But it's not a group mentality. It's completely different. Right, because you're not going to be with that group no. When this goes down. No, you're not going to be with that group. And, and let's be real. Let's be legitimate, blatant bullshit, like no bullshit honest. 20 people take, you know, a basic group course. One person in that group has the fucking wherewithal to jump on somebody with a gun. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that get into it. Now, can that be changed? Absolutely. But it takes more than standing in front of you, giving you a PowerPoint and a video and getting you to do that. You've got to get in there. You've got to bloody your knuckles up a little bit. You've got to be sore. You've got to feel what it feels like to take somebody to the floor. When you take them to the floor and it hurts and knocks the wind out of you, you got to know that that's life. Deal with it. You got to know that if you grab onto the the barrel of a rifle, it's going to be hot. You're probably going to burn yourself. Shell casings might be hitting you in the face. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're probably going to get hurt in the process of it. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that, but it's a completely different experience when I put an average size adult male in front of you with a gun and tell you, don't get shot. Grab onto the gun, don't get shot. That's the first thing we do. Our first physical drill we do with anybody when it comes to fighting is that person has a gun. I'm going to allow you to grab onto the gun to start. So we're going to take the the closing distance aspect out of it. You Mm -hmm. get to grab onto the gun. I'm not going to tell you how to grab onto the gun, where to get out of the gun. You know that the tiny circle on the end of that gun is what kills you. Don't get fucking shot. Three, two, one, go. Go. And that's how you learn because I can't teach you techniques. There's no fucking, there's no such thing as a gun disarm technique in the middle of an active shooter situation. There's not getting shot and there's getting shot. There's ways to not get shot. If you're really in close, it's probably going to involve you controlling the person or controlling the weapon. If you're not able to touch that person, it's going to involve you running, evading, finding cover and moving Mm -hmm. that. That's it. There's no, there's no rule to it. There's no technique. There's no fucking technique that is going to save your life in an active shooter situation. The tiny, the bullet comes out of the tiny little circle at the end of that, grab onto it, try not to get shot, learn how your body type responds to their body type. I'm going to give you little hints and concepts along the way, but you have to feel it. And if you don't feel it and you don't learn it yourself, you're not going to do it and you're not going to do it right. So when someone takes a CCW class, 
I guess my biggest confliction with that is they get a false it's sense shit of, nine times out of ten. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and they get a false sense of security yeah. because they've shot fifty rounds. They've yeah. qualified. Now they carry a gun, but they stop their training. Right. And my my parents are they're they're bad for that. And yeah. it's not because they're bad people. It's because. Well, you it's don't, a mentality. It's a mentality, right? You were told you were certified. Right. You are now legally allowed and to they, carry this and weapon. And they know so they should. Need to right. do? They know they should do it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when someone takes your course? Is it concerning that they could have a false sense of security, or do you really enforce that? Hey, look, your training does not stop this weekend. I, I, in, and this is one thing that I feel, and I, I, uh, again, I don't think I'm the best at at much. But I feel like I, I do a very good job of towing the line between you are stronger than you're capable of, but shit fucking happens and making people really understand that. So when I go into a course, I have a couple of objectives. I, I don't I'm not there to make them feel confident. I may I'm there to understand what are your options. A lot of these options you already know. A lot of these options you are very much in control of. You just have to take time to do it. Here's what these concepts are. Here's how you should be going about it. When I leave here today, the rest is fucking up to you. This mm-hmm. is the best that I can possibly do. Understand that if this is the end of your training, it doesn't mean you can't be successful, but you're going to be or a lot more likely to be successful if you continue training. Here's how you train. Right, okay. Here's the aspects you want to get into. So that's essentially what it is. Look, I can only do so much, right? If I don't have them coming into the gym training every single day, I, I can only look at them for four hours, six hours, eight hours, 16 hours, whatever they allow me, right? I'm, I'm at their limitation. So when I go do a course, if I put up an eight-hour course to the community, like if I were to come down, you were to say, hey, man, I want to bring you down to, to uh, excess and I want to do a course. And I say, okay. Or a new eight-hour course. That is the as far as I'm concerned, that is what people need. An eight-hour course. You come in and you dive into the shit for eight hours. You're gonna have two people sign up for that fucking course because it's eight hours, the whole entire day. You want me to train for a day? Hmm. Fuck. And for me to come out and train for eight hours, the equipment that we're gonna need, it's probably gonna cost sixty or seventy dollars. You want me to pay seventy dollars to learn to not die? Oh, it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what ends up happening is when we do the courses, we have to do four hour, five hour, because it's about the top end limitation of what people will show up for. Fuck. Mm. So now I've got to get you through all these concepts in four hours and I have to do it in a manner that makes you realize that you need general physical preparedness. You need physical fighting skills. You need psychological skills to, to get through fear and to fight through fear. And then you're going to need, if we're being completely honest, the biggest gap in active shooter training is trauma care. You should know how to plug a fucking gunshot wound. Everybody should. Mm-hmm. It's not a complicated process. Stop the red shit from coming out of the body. Jam shit in the fucking hole. Not cover it. Jam it. Right? If you don't know how to use a tourniquet, put a tourniquet on. It's 2018, for God's sakes. Everybody should know how to put a tourniquet on. Everybody should know how to make a tourniquet. Everybody know, like, you know, what is a, you know, what is a, a fucking nematory? Well, fuck. Learn. What is a sucking chest wound? Right? And it's not just for active shooters. What happens if you get in a you, terrible you come up on a car, car accident? accident? Yep. Well, not even you come up on one. What happens if I get in a terrible car accident and my wife, her leg is hanging on by fucking four tendons, right? And she's torn open and she's profusely bleeding. Am I going to wait until EMS shows up? No. Know how to fucking put a tourniquet on. Have a tourniquet with you. Have one in your vehicle. Yeah. There are very easy things. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Very easy things people can do to take care of. The problem is... Over time, like, you know, we did our, our three-minute thing, and, you know, I said the one thing that pissed me off I would change about people is entitlement. We've gotten to a point where 
we don't take care of ourselves anymore. We expect somebody else to do it for everything, fucking everything. You know, I'm, I'm pissed off about work because my boss should be paying me more. No, you should be fucking doing work to get more money. Uh, I'm sick and health insurance is fucking me over. I can't get it. No, you should be taking care of your body to a point where you don't need to be crunking a bunch of fucking money going to a doctor for diabetes, right? Like basic stuff. Well, if you get into a car accident, we've been trained that EMS is there to come save us and EMS will get us to the hospital and they'll mm. save us. But if you, so you lose, rely on that, yeah, to you rely on it. And if you lose, if you're bleeding out for fucking five minutes before EMS gets there, yeah. you could be a hell of a lot better off. If I put a tourniquet on your leg and then mm-hmm. when EMS gets there and goes like, Oh hell yeah, we well, bought time. Let's just get him in the rig. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what you, I mean? Let's could, double check it, make sure it's on there properly. But you saved them blood. That's a good thing. Even if you and do it's it not wrong, complicated. you're buying more time. It's not, and that's all it is. And that's the one thing that we teach people. This brings episode nine of the One More Prep podcast to a close. Please click like or subscribe so that way you don't miss any future episodes. While you're waiting for episode 10, if you could do us a solid and go out to iTunes and leave us a review. This will help gain us more traction and get us to more people in more places. Till next time, this is Mo, and I'm out. Thank you for listening to the One More Rep Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One More Rep Podcast or on Twitter at Can I Get One More or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. And Victor's Tacos. <laughs> they have a taco place? Yeah, Victor's Tacos. It opened up oh, a year ago. I was always scared to go there. Oh, no, that's a legit place. Like yeah, nobody speaks English. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's, that's when it's tacos. legit. Yeah. Well, it was in a, it was like a drive-through and it was like an old rallies or yeah. something. I'm like, no, it's legit.